Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Neer. I'm Brett, and today we talk about our individual experiences with two very different games that each share a unique mechanic of using decks of cards in their battle systems. Walker talked about his thoughts on Slay the Spire, and I finally discussed my adventures in SteamWorld Quest, The Hand of Gilgamesh. What's up, Walker? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, actually, I was really surprised by what I've been picking up my sticks for this last week. Oh. Um, yeah, it's a it's a game um, that I, I've actually had. <laughs> shocking, I know, for a long time. I hadn't <laughs> spent very much time with. Uh, but it's called Slay the Spire. Okay. Um, and it's a it's a card game i don't i I mean it's a card battling game i guess is fundamentally what it is um but yeah i read an article in pc gamer last week um that was talking about how there was this guy who had developed like a speed run tool and for slay the spire and then modified it so that i should back up it's a it's a roguelite so every run you start um you, you play until you die and then and then that's the end of that run and you start all over from the beginning right so this guy had developed a tool to find out how likely it was that you would get a, an impossible seed right that you just could not finish and um you can set what your seed is at the start of the game okay, i was gonna ask like if that was yeah mm-hmm. so he ran through i think it was like two million um you know seeds and then took the ones and and defined some criteria that would make them like really challenging and then took those and took those to the slay the spire community um and just was like hey can anyone beat these and yeah actually there's not been a single one that hasn't been beaten yet Hmm. um in that so the pc gamer article you know their conclusion was that that's interesting because it's easy in roguelites because there's such an rng factor to just assume that sometimes you got a run that was just right doomed um it may be a, a yeah. difficult run but yeah. right and i'm sure that in some games there are right uh, I, i'm sure in some games there are scenarios where it's like yeah you're just it would you just can't win maybe not literally impossible i don't know but either way the fact that the the community has not been bested yet i thought was pretty cool um so yeah so i kind of thought to go and and check it back out so you've had this one you've had this one for a while did you did you play it previously or has it just is I, it one of those like it's just been there so i i did i played it for um i played it for like an hour hour and a half I don't know, sometime in the last year and i remember thinking like that it was okay but that I to say I didn't get it isn't fair, but like I don't know, just I just really whatever. Hook yeah, it just didn't hook me, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I should just I, I'm I'm actually not a very big fan of of road. That's what I was gonna say. Game. Like, this is kind of surprising because we both have have a bit of history, specifically with like Rogue Legacy. Um, it was now to be fair, Rogue Legacy was kind of early in the Rogue Light genre. Um, and, and so there's a lot of things that other roguelikes and roguelites have done since then that have improved the quality of rogue style games. Um, but still, it's it's not something that either one of us really get down on a terrible lot. 
well, just to be clear, um, some some feedback I have gotten <laughs> on our show is that sometimes we people don't know the term we're talking Fair. about, and then we just go. So just to explain what Rogue is, it basically just means that uh, each playthrough is heavily randomized, yeah. and typically it's permadeath. So if you die, you're starting back yeah, over. Yeah, you start now, the whole game the... over, but the whole game is new every time, unlike a like a Mario or something where every time you start, you start on level 1-1, one, one, and the level design is the same, so you can learn where power-ups are or bad guys are or things like that. In Ro Rogue itself was the first game that kind of did this. Um, it was mm -hmm. like an ASCII-based game. But every time you go into a new room, it's a totally new room. It could have different monsters in it. It could have different equipment that you could find or spells or, or power-ups or whatever. So yeah, every time you run through, it's a very unique uh, attempt. And maybe the bosses are going to be the same. In some games, that's not even the case. But in, in a lot of games, a, a rogue-style game, you'll have certain kind of checkpoints that are going to be like the same thing each time. But the way you get there and what you have when you get there can be totally unique. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, famous, you know, Rogue Legacy is is probably, I mean, I would say FTL is probably the most famous yeah. one that I can think of. Um, Darkest Dungeon is a really popular one. Enter the Gungeon is another right. one. And then a, a true popular. rogue game is totally, there's no change between every time you play through. And a roguelite game or a roguelike game, they're both kind of interchangeable a little bit, is where you can make progress in the metagame that can apply to your next run. So a lot of games now are more roguelike where you can unlock different heroes or permanent upgrades that'll apply to every character that you play through, or maybe new characters or new spellcasting or, or equipment or stuff that can appear in the levels. Um, so playing each, every time you play through, it's not just a complete reset. You are gaining something that applies maybe outside of battle or to all of your characters or something. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, so um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't I don't typically love those games. I mean, they're OK, but I <laughs> typically just don't actually get that far and get frustrated and become disinterested pretty quickly. But the majority of them that I've played, I mean, FTL, I've probably played the least out of them, actually. But like Enter the Gungeon or Rogue Legacy, I don't know if I'm just old now and just not as quick on, with my hands or something, but I just die a lot and it feels like I'm just just not able to to, to succeed right and, and it's not just because it's a, a rogue game however the fact that i can't <laughs> lean on rpg systems to artificially empower myself <laughs> so that regardless of my mechanical skill i'm just better um it's not present in those games really so i mean it is a little bit in rogue legacy but not much. not enough yeah not, it doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't cover you much <laughs> no um but yeah, so I've been, I was really interested going back to this um, because, so the only card game, I've never played a physical card game. I've never played Magic. I've never played Pokemon. Like a CCG, um, like a collectible card game. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, not literally any card. <laughs> you have never touched I, a card in your life? Yeah, I've been to a, a, a game where you're battling right. each other kind of thing. So yeah, like a, a collectible. But this isn't really a collectible card game in the same way because of the rogue element, right? right? Like you're not... You're not permanently unlocking a card for your your deck or something. You are anyway, for that run, though, right? Yes, okay. but it doesn't apply um, outside of the runs. Every run, you're starting with a new deck. Yes, exactly. 
Um, so I, I was I was interested because the only games I've played like that digitally are PvP versions like Hearthstone or Legends of Runeterra, um, and I enjoy those. And I always thought that the fun of those was because it's PvP. It adds um, a dynamic element to it where you're, you're you're having to try and outthink your opponent, right? right? Which is all PvP offers yeah, that. But but in, in just, the essence of like what they might have in their deck, is this similar to a deck you've seen before? It's kind of that that poker, like, do you bluff or do you, you know, try yes. to push? Yes. The, the, the downside, though, and, and, and to be fair, this may exist for Slay the Spire. In fact, I'm sure it does based on the, the story I told earlier about the people who can beat any seed that exists. Um, but anyway, the, the, the problem I have with, with the Hearthstone or, or Legends of Runeterra, for example, is that in the end, the internet is the greatest thing ever, so it also comes up with the greatest strategies ever. Yep. And so there's just clearly defined metas that fall into place, and those get changed as new cards right. or patches come out, so it's not entirely static, but in the moment that you're playing, you are in a meta, whether you know it or not. And if you're not playing the meta, you're only going to climb so high before it just doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, and, and to be clear, I don't mean that there is no strategy to it still. No. There certainly is. But it just, in Hearthstone, it got to a point where it was like, I was buying cards and then looking up net decks and trying to fill those and then playing with different net decks. And, and again, there's nuance and things to learn about the net deck, but... I don't know. It's um, after a while, it just gets old. And the fact that you constantly have to buy new cards to keep up with the ever evolving meta. Also, I I have an issue with that too, is just that for me, it kind of saps it. It, it it almost punishes creativity. If you're not the first person to, to discover the meta, right? Like, because sure you can play a creative or a silly deck or whatever and there is enough strategy that like if you are really good you can make some things work but you're not going to make them work all the way up to rank one like you can make them work in pubs or whatever or against mid-level opponents but it, it it always seems to me like and again i have a long history of being the fluff over form guy where i and that goes to I have played Magic, and in, you know I played it a little bit in Hearthstone, but it's a lot harder to do there just because there's fewer cards and you got to spend more money to get them. But I, I'm definitely like I prefer the theme or the idea of a deck, but then I get mad when it goes up against the meta and I just lose because it's it's the meta. The meta is is that for a reason. It's powerful and effective, and it it always kind of stinks that you like you have this creative fun idea, but nobody plays. Nobody is gonna like especially in a game like Hearthstone where there's no chat or whatever, but nobody's going to be like, oh man, I love that idea. That's a very creative, interesting way to, to build a deck or, or do whatever. Um, instead, it's just, well, you lose. So next. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, so so I actually found that in Slay the Spire, the 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 randomness of it and the fact that, so there's, there's ultimately four different characters that you can unlock and each character basically has their own deck. I mean, now they all have attack, basic attack and defend cards, but even the art for them is different per character. Um, But then beyond that, each class kind of has its own mechanic and all of the cards after that, that the each class gets is, is entirely different. 
and like even if like the first class you get as the warrior we'll call it that's not what it's called but basically um but anyway like even if you do multiple runs with the warrior and it has its own unique deck you still don't get you still don't see all of the same warrior cards each run right right so you're so you're essentially just, unlocking more cards as you go. Yeah. So you 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 go and whenever you beat an enemy, um, they will have. So basically, the way it works is it lays out this vertical map, and you start at the bottom, and then there's like between three to five paths that you can start on, and it shows you all the way up. And there will be there's icons for like like regular enemies, elite enemies, treasure chest. Um, question mark where you don't know and it could be any of these things or a shop um and then these paths as you go up end up crisscrossing so you're not stuck in one path just from where you started but it allows you to kind of plot where you might want to go so when you beat regular enemies they they drop cards and have a chance to drop rare cards when you beat elite enemies they also drop cards and have a chance to drop rare but they also drop what are called relics which are like items that just give you passive benefits to your character. Um, And then you go to the shop and you can buy things, items and cards, relics and and cards, and also potions from the shop. Um, Yeah. So I guess that's it. Those five, but, but that map layout, those paths are, are randomized each run as well. So the order in which you encounter things is is randomized. And then, yeah, like I said, you are unlocking cards as you go. Um, so by the end, like the I, so, I've beaten it once. There's there's three maps in total that you have to ascend uh, of the spire to to win, and I did beat it once uh, so far. And I think I was at about I want to say like thirty five cards okay. was what my deck ended up being. How um, long did it take you to get like a victorious run? Now, like I guess two ways but two ways to ask that question one how long was a single run from start to victory right. and two how long did it take you to get a run where you understood the game enough where you felt confident that you could win or did win right um i would say that um it was probably a like between two and three hours for that individual run okay. um i just pulled up steam to look <laughs> and i I, since Friday night, I've played about 14 hours. Okay. So, and I didn't play really yesterday at all. So, so anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I, I and it, it was, it was late Sunday when I finally won. Um, so, it, you know, there was, it was at least probably 10 hours before I won a game, we would say. So you'd say maybe like 20, 30, 40 games, somewhere in there. Of course, not every game is going to be a two hour long game if you're dying early. No, but, but most of them are. Most of them are probably about an hour, though, okay. or, or close to, because I don't, I, I've been fortunate, or, the thing is, is that, you know, when I, like, when I first beat it, I was like, wow, <laughs> look at me, <laughs> and then uh, the achievement on Steam shows you what percentage of players have that achievement, right. 72.3% of players have this achievement, like, okay, well, I'm not even kind of rare, <laughs> in fact, the fact that I hadn't beaten it yet was actually more rare for people that own this game, so, um, so anyway, yeah, I, I but I would say that it's probably I usually it at least get to the first boss before I die, the end of the first map, if you will. Right. Um, but yeah, and one other thing I wanted to explain about it, and, and I know you're playing something that's closely related, and so I want to loop that in so we can kind of compare and contrast them. Right. Um, 
But the one final thing I want to explain, and then I want to ask you how it works in, in the game that you wanted to talk about, I think. But, um, you know, in Hearthstone or in Legends of Runeterra, you're just playing cards on a board. So if I play a, a, a monster minion or something, like, it just it's just a card on the board, and, like, maybe the cards, quote-unquote, attack each other. <laughs> but it's just that. In this, which, to be clear, it's not... this Slay the Spire is not, like, hugely you know, graphically impressive. Um, but instead of it being like a board where you're playing cards, it looks more like an old school, like a uh, Final Fantasy style RPG battle where your character is on the left and the enemies are on the right. And then your cards are all abilities. So you're not summoning creatures like you do in Hearthstone right. or Magic or whatever. Um, but so you play it and then the characters actually kind of fight. And again, it, it's very... <laughs> It's, it's not impressive. It's not like you're watching Assassin's Creed fights right. or something happening. Um, I don't know why I picked that as the high fidelity. <laughs> thing, whatever. Anyway, uh, The Witcher. It doesn't look like The Witcher. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So it, I, I just think it's interesting, though, because it, it almost feels like playing, just playing through battles in an old school RPG Except instead of going through a menu to choose abilities that I've learned, I'm playing cards to do those abilities. Right. And I had never really thought of a card game feeling like that, right. if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, but anyway, all that said, so yeah, so please what, tell us about the game that you've been playing lately that, again, is loosely related yep. and, and talk about the differences. There, yeah, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences, which is, is, is kind, of really kind of fun. So I, I've, everybody that has listened to the last couple of episodes knows that I have been trying to get through as much of uh, SteamWorld Quest, The Hand of Gilgamesh, uh, as I could to, to present. I have completed Act 1, which means I'm assuming there's three acts. Uh, I've got about six and a half seven hours of gameplay in and most of the steam world games that i've played even with completion like trying to get through completion end up at about 20 hours probably about 16 hours of gameplay ish and then 20 hours if i want to try to 100 percent them um except for steam world heist that one was a little bit harder to 100 percent. but anyway i digress yeah. it is a it's kind of it's interesting because it's almost a side-scrolling point-and-click adventure game but there's not as much of the like it, it's not like a, a king's quest or something where you're picking up an item and combining it somewhere and bringing it somewhere else it's but it does have that kind of map sense where each hmm. i guess so there it, it's broken out into chapters and each chapter is maybe 10 to 12 quote-unquote rooms a room may be one to two like screen widths wide, um, and then it'll have doors or exits up, down, left, right. Sometimes maybe a couple down and and one left or something. But well, so let me ask. I'm sorry. Is this a top down no, view so or it, a it's side scroller? scroller? So it's, it's it's okay. It's a side scroller. It's more akin to the same kind of view that you would get in like a like a like Final Fight or something, where you can move up, down, left, and right. On oh, the screen, okay. but it I is side. You. It is a side. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I don't know what they call that camera angle. Is it isometric? No, still? I don't, I don't think know. so. It makes me think of like turtles in time. Yes, anyway, it, very much so it. like that. <laughs> um, except you can go down through doors and up through doors and stuff. The game okay. is so it's a Steam World game, which means all of the characters are these steam-powered robot characters. 
Uh, but it's set in a fantasy world. It is essentially like a princess bride kind of thing where like it's a dad telling a story to a kid and that's what you're playing through so that your characters in a fantasy realm there's dragons and wizards and warriors and and things like that but they're all these like robot characters um mm. it's pretty cute the art style is amazing it it falls in line with most of the steam world style games where the art is uh like kinematic bone art but it's in the sense of the animation is done in pieces so it's a very rigid art style but there's a lot that they do with that to make it to where because they're robots so their arms aren't gonna like there's not gonna be twisting and bending in odd places it's very rigid bends and stuff but there's a lot of places where they they do animate characters um what is kinematic that's, mean? that's, you, a, is that's there another a, example uh, so that's a story it's, it's it's a way of like 3d animating it, instead mm. of animating frame by frame it's it's not pixel art but it's 2d animation but it's done by having a rigid internal structure like bones inside the character that you don't see and those bones are moved around um i'm trying to think there's does it kind of mimic like stop motion in no the no i'm trying to okay, think of okay. you see it a lot in like flash games where you see the hard edge of just like a color line where it looks like the arm is cut in pieces and it wiggles at a joint like okay. that is that's animating with like a bone essentially is by having a stick figure inside of the model um okay. instead of something like a more fluid animation that would be done like frame by frame animation or something something very pretty like a gree where somebody is meticulously animating each entire image they just build the character and then put bones inside of it and say, if I wiggle this, it wiggles the whole arm. Mm. Um, not really necessarily relevant, probably over explained, but <laughs> no, no, it, I, I think it matters. And, and that's why, I mean, that's why I asked you about the camera view earlier, because I didn't realize until I was talking to someone else about slay the spire and they were like, yeah, I've just never really been into card games. And I was like, you know, it is a card game. But it's it's almost not because right. you're not you're not battling against other cards, mm -hmm. right? Like the enemies have abilities and stuff, but unlike Hearthstone, I'm not anticipating what they will play next in right. their hand, right? Or something. So I don't know. So anyway. it that's you run around as the main character, but you are a party of three. It is very much so kind of an old school RPG at its core. Um, so you walk around, you're, there's no world map so much there is, but it's just that your chapter select screen. Once you're in a chapter or a mission, it's a set map. Um, mm. excuse me. And, uh, the monsters, so there's no random battles that I've seen. Monsters appear on the screen and they may notice you and try to come after you, or they may not notice you and kind of walk away and you can walk up behind them and like hit space bar to try to attack them. Uh, when you do, it initiates a combat. So I've not seen more than four monsters on a screen, but you've got like your three characters, uh, or up to three. You get a party that slowly grows. Um, and then the enemy can, side can have several monsters, and they appear. It's kind of very much so like a Final Fantasy battle sequence where they all slide in from one side of the screen. And they'll appear on the left or the right, depending on where you initiated combat from. Your party will be on hmm. that side. Uh, and then, yeah, so it, it is also a card battler. Every outside of battle, you can manage your deck and your party. So, you, like I said, you can have up to three heroes in your party, 
and each party has to have uh, eight cards in their quote-unquote deck. And then when you initiate combat, it shuffles all of your character cards together and deals you out like, I don't know, five or six or so. You can play up to three cards per turn, and uh, cards come in a number of varieties of skills and abilities and things that your characters do. It's similar to Slay the Spire, where when you play cards, those are actions that your players take. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there are like two types of cards. Basically, there's builders and spenders. And builders are, you get up to like 10, I guess, mana at the top of the screen. They're little gears or steam or whatever. Uh, And there are cards like basic attacks or basic buffs or even some debuffs. You're not your big damaging cards, but basic cards. And they will build an amount of steam, usually one. Like basic attacks give you one. Later in the game, I found some cards that will allow you to do a boost that like Maybe it builds one steam per turn for three turns. Um, Or builds three steam once, and then that card is out of your deck. But essentially, you get like this 24-card deck, and there's a a lot of interesting things they've done with it. So so there are a lot of... There's attacks and defense. Like, early on, one of your first characters has... You get like a warrior character and kind of a mage character. And the mage character's builders may be mana shields. So you click a mana shield, you click on one of your two characters, it, you know, gives them a boost to their shields or whatever. It gives them a little mana shield. Um, but you select your three cards that you want to play for that turn uh, and, it, and in what order you want to play them. And then when you lock in your turn, then the enemy's cards, get, each enemy gets one or more cards that they get to play that get added to the end. And it builds kind of this initiative line. And then it runs from the top down, and it plays your card, your card, your card, enemy card, enemy card. Um, The enemies can build mana as well. Some of them you'll see little mana things under them. So once they charge up enough, they'll use a special attack or an ability. Uh, You can, and every card that you play does animate on the screen. So if you do a lunging strike, your warrior is going to charge across the screen and lunge at the enemy. some of the like buffs and things have kind of the same animation or a pool of animations that'll be used to just like you raise your hammer in the air and all your characters are buffed. Um, there's sparkles and effects and things, but it's nothing nothing super complicated. Again, it, it, like Slay the Spire, the animation is not out of this world complicated for for what the characters are doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, no, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, um, yeah, I was just going to, I guess I was just going to ask, you had showed me a screenshot. I mean, talking about the art, uh, you, and you're more specifically referencing animation, I guess, but you had shown me a screenshot of one of the character sheets. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it looked like there was an incredible amount of intricate detail put into the character. Yes. Sheet. No, there is, there is a lot of, the art is very in-depth and the menus and stuff are all very well done. The, the SteamWorld games have had a pretty high standard for art anyway um and i think they kind of double down on this more because the characters are all much bigger uh your character takes up like almost a third of your screen real estate like not quite it's not like massive top to bottom so maybe like a sixth total but there's like the background is probably the top third of the screen and then your character you can move up and down a little bit on the panel that you're running on, but not a whole lot. There's not a, again, kind of like final fight. There's not a huge amount of movement that you're doing. It's mostly left, right. And then battles. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but even in the, the character menus and the animations and things, my favorite character has this little... Because, again, everything's steampunk. So everything is clockwork and robots and stuff. And one of the characters is kind of the nature-slash-buff character, kind of the bastion from, like, uh, Overwatch, and has a bird follower, as many of these types of characters do. But the bird has a little wind-up gear on the top, like a little winding key that kind of spins around, and it kind of moves and tweets occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, stuff. And, and that, like... That little tiny detail made me just fall. I was like, I will defend this bird forever. Like, I hope it is used in an ability at some point because mm-hmm. little bird is my favorite. <laughs> Maybe it'll open its little mouth and like a giant plasma beam right. shoots yes. out or some, some devastating attack. <laughs> right. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Well. But they do some interesting things with combat where... So you have your builders and then you have your energy dumps, which are just more powerful attacks or spells or whatever. Uh, or heals, or any number of things. Because, again, it's just like a classic kind of JRPG party. You've got, you know, heal skills, buffs, debuffs to enemies, basic attacks, spells, and you want to kind of... Ch- you and, and you can build your deck outside of any battle. So as long as you're not in battle, you can swap your cards around. And you can buy and craft cards or find them in loot chests. It's always the same. Like, the, the maps are set. The story is set. So there's no random stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but there's different, so you'll want to like, maybe one of your characters does an attack that lowers, you know, intimidate, lowers the physical defense of one character or one enemy. And then you'll want somebody, the next character or next attack to take advantage of that by dealing physical damage or like debuff them. So they're vulnerable to ice and then deal ice damage to them, that kind of stuff. Um, but there's mm-hmm. also, so there's, there's combos where, if you play a card, it'll it may have the symbol of one of the other characters on it. And if you play a card from that character any time in the turn before you play this card, it'll do something extra. So like two players team up to do an attack that deals more damage. But then on the flip of that, there's also if you play all three of your cards, because you only get to play three cards a turn, but if all three of them are from the same hero that hero, depending on what weapon they have equipped, will get a bonus card that deals that does something. So like the wizard, for example, with her first weapon equipped, if you play all three blue cards, which are her hair color is blue, so if you play all her cards, then she will cast a bonus mana shield on all of your heroes as just the mm. thing that she does. Later on, if you equip a different weapon, she'll cast a Thunder Wave kind of thing where she'll shock all of the opponents and there's a chance that they get like paralyzed or something. So you mm. do get in a situation where you're like, you want to try to maximize that as much as possible because that bonus card is usually really good. So mm. like you want to try to get in a position where every turn you're casting three cards of one hero. Uh, because mm. that's just, it's such a much, because so like if you're splitting your bonuses out, you probably want to do it with like builders because you just want to like gain as much many charges as you can and then kind of play into your next turn to get three cards from one character. Right. So um, can you, and it's a little different because it's a much more fixed deck um, that you're playing with, but can you look and see what cards are still remaining and what cards you've already played at any time? Like what cards you haven't drawn right. yet? So uh, not that I'm aware of, uh, hmm. as you, so when you play the cards, they get shuffled back in. 
probably on the bottom it seems because like if you if you play a card it doesn't come back for a while so i'm assuming it goes to the bottom of the deck but you do also get uh two free recycles per turn or so you can just hover over a card and essentially throw it away and draw a new one so you can draw up to two new cards and there's a few cards that allow you to either get bonus recycles so cycling three or four cards in a turn or drawing extra cards in a turn for using certain things, or drawing cards next turn. Like if you use this skill, you draw another card next turn. Um, so there's there's some of that. You'll cycle through your deck, and battles can last a while, especially boss battles. Um, they can, you know, boss battles are about 20 minutes, like 15, 20 minutes. So you'll cycle through the whole deck multiple times. Right. Yeah. Well, so in Slay the Spire, the reason I ask is because in Slay the Spire, so you have a draw pile on the left side of the screen. And as you draw cards from it, you know, they come into your hand and then whatever you don't play or if you play it even basically once it's been drawn, unless you have some special card that puts it back into the draw pile, it's going into the discard pile. But once the discard pile fills up or actually beyond that, once your draw pile empties is really the truth. It it puts all those cards back into the all the discarded ones back into the draw pile, but it reshuffles. Right. So it's entirely randomized the order in which you will see the cards as they come back. Um, but it's even got some interesting mechanics around that. Like I've seen cards that have an effect that's power curve is based on how many cards are in either the draw pile or the discard nice. pile. So that you're kind of trying to line that up maybe with. Yeah. Save know, it the, so that you can get it. Yeah. Get, throw more cards out so that you can get this more powerful effect later. Yeah. Potentially. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got a lot of interesting um, card mechanics as well, kind of like what you're talking about. I've been I've been pleasantly surprised on several occasions, and I think that it benefits from the fact that that it's not a PvP game. Right. So it doesn't have to make sure that if I draw this super powerful combo, that whoever I'm playing against doesn't feel like that's just <laughs> completely it unfair. It lets you cheat right? some. It lets you have some yeah. really powerful stuff. Well, and and it, I mean, you know, I've also died. I've, I've in sixteen hours, I managed to get to the top of the thing one time, right? So, um, so I'm not the only one that sometimes gets a quote unquote unfair advantage right. in the game. But yeah, but it, it's it it feels like it's more unshackled, if you will, than something like a Hearthstone would be. Um, which you know, Hand of Gilgamesh, I, I will say. I mean, when you first mentioned it to me, the Steam World games I know are, are to be high quality games. I know you're a big fan of them. But I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Card Battler... Oh, I wasn't... Like, I, I let it sit for a long time. It's been out for a while, and I, I waited for right. it to come on sale. And uh, not super deep discount, but I think I got it for like 15 or so. I think it's normally 25. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, again, it was one of those where it's like, it, it is not a perfect game. I will definitely say that. I have some grievances with it, but none of those grievances make it a bad game either. Um, and it's also right. not like a pulling teeth situation like it has been with a few other games that I've played recently where like EDF5 is just bad, but I loved it anyway. Um, mm. the, it's not that way. It's kind of frustrating, but not hugely so. Like there's just right. the battles can be slow. Some of the longer battles. So I'm playing it on like the medium difficulty and it can just get a little grindy like you you earn gold for battles and you can use that to buy and upgrade cards there's other equipment that you can get like you know healing potions or revives and stuff that you can play as a card on your turn um 
and there's new weapons and every character can have a weapon and two pieces of like accessories and those can be anything from fire resist or bonus hp or bonus magic damage or or whatever um but those you have to buy from the shop at the beginning there's a shop at the beginning of almost every level but you'd often unless maybe if you find every there's some secret zones and stuff so maybe if you find every secret in a level it just seems like there's never enough gold to get everything especially when you it is especially 100% certain when you unlock at least the fourth character i'm sure there's probably a couple more they all of a sudden have a dozen cards that you can buy for them in the shop and you do not have enough money to have all of the cards for every hero which I've kind of resulted in just not playing with that. Like, they're an okay hero, but I would almost have to grind because they're not leveling up at the same rate as... They'll get some experience, but not full experience if they're not in your party. So it's like, I would have to dump a bunch of resources into them and then grinding, which I've already done some grinding to get gold, but I'm not the biggest fan of that because it's not a fully... It, it is an RPG in, in many ways, but because there's not like a world map and there's no open world or anything to it, it just seems like that's kind of a, a, a holdover from an older time that doesn't necessarily jive with what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it goes a couple of ways. I, mean, I, I actually feel the same way with RPGs myself where I struggle um to understand, like, am I supposed to... Like, in Final Fantasy VII, like, I, you find the... What is it? The cat... Red 13 or whatever, the cat character. You find him, like, I don't know, later in the right. game. I don't know how late, I don't remember. But it's not... He's not at the beginning. But, yeah, but it's like, well, I kind of want to use him, but I kind of also <clears throat> have already been leveling these other guys, and I'm, like, in a groove of playing with them. Right. And I don't know if maybe it's intended to be something that's like a like this is how the game offers replayability. Yeah, I was gonna because... say it's weird because it's it's also altitis. Like if you want to go back yeah. and play the the level three levels ago, and just have all of new characters in there. But I think that's the other thing is that if you don't have like I only have a fourth character, so two of my characters are gonna be overpowered, which makes it boring and not challenging. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to power level thirty. If I had three other characters, maybe I would be interested in going back two levels and putting all three new characters in so that it's kind of an even playing field. Yeah. So this is actually the reason that I have never been able to stick with a Pokemon game and actually why I have not really been able to sink my hooks into Temtem. Um, Because in both Pokemon and Temtem, which is the Steam MMO-based Pokemon-like game for anyone that doesn't know. Anyway, um, it works exactly like how you're talking, where if your creature is not involved in the battle that they're in, then they, they don't gain XP. So what you end up doing, or what I end up doing to try and accommodate this, is starting the battle with characters that I don't plan on fighting with. As soon as it's my turn summoning them back out and replacing them with characters, which means that I lose the initiative every time because I'm using my first turn not to attack or defend or anything, but just to switch. But if I don't, then I, and that is frustrating to me because it frankly is just tedious going through the menus and watching the summon animations because it's not actually fun. I just feel like if I don't, 
like if I don't do that, then I have to go back and play three times as many battles or however many to level the right. characters, which I also don't really care to do. Um, so no, I, I definitely, I definitely get that. I mean, the fact that there's not enough gold to buy everything, I mean, potentially to some extent, that's a mechanic to like, you know, balance difficulty, right? right? Like you're not supposed to get everything, but that's separate from, from the thing you're talking about where when you get too many party members and they won't level and they, together. And they, it's I'm nice to... that they give some experience to any characters, not right. any party, which is good. So at least it doesn't put you that far back. Um, but it's also, I've got a method of playing now and I've got combos that work really well. Cause I took the time to farm the cards that I wanted. And this new character plays kind of in between two of the other characters I have but I don't feel mm. like, and there's some more mechanics. They have a more increased mechanic style where they switch states depending on what card they play. So they can potentially be in two states at once for one turn. And then at the end of that turn, mm. they swap to whatever state takes over. So you, you're trying to manage that, which seems like a really cool mechanic, but also it seems like they're not as good at either attacking or healing as the DPS and the healer that I have. So it's like, right. and I already kind of have min-maxed my deck in that area. It will probably, it definitely seemed like I was intended to use them for this boss battle that I just went through because they have a way mm. of managing debuffs way better. And the boss definitely debuffed and like did some things that I had no other way, like paralysis and confusion that I couldn't deal with any other way. But because I had kind of min-maxed my deck, I fought the boss one time, died in like five minutes. I was like, oh, this is how this boss works go to my deck swap out this card for that card and this card for that card and then it was it was a bit of an attrition war but it wasn't difficult uh at no mm. point when i fought this boss the second time was i ever in danger of losing <laughs> it was just took a while right right yeah um well something else i wanted to mention was slay the spire that um well actually before i do that a question i had in reference to the the, the farming and grinding are, are are they the same battles that you're having to play through though because the game is static like every time you go back to fight a battle to farm gold it's the same encounter you've already done almost there's a little bit of variability so like if you come across like if you're in zone three or whatever chapter three there will be goblin like little mecha goblins which are adorable <laughs> and these little <laughs> like spider bomb things um okay which are pain in the butt the first time you encounter them because they chart they increase their defense for three turns and at the end of three turns they explode on you oh, okay. um, but they explode really bad and if you fight so there is some randomness in that like there will be spiders and goblins in these areas but how many you fight and in what order not always a set like there may be like a guaranteed spider here but when you engage the battle it may come with two goblins it may come with one other spider it may be two and two. It may be four of one, whatever. Um, yeah. And there are some ways to, like, keep an enemy from doing something. So you can cause them to, like, flinch, which means they don't get to play their card that turn. And doing that to these spider guys means that they don't increase their defense and they don't get the charge up. So it takes them another mm -hmm. turn before they explode. But if you come across, like, I've come across three of them. And the first time you come across them, if all three of them blow up on you, you your whole party is dead. Um, mm. but when you're going back and replaying through the content as you gain levels and whatnot, it becomes just trivial to, to fight them. Which has been boring. 
Um, but yeah, so the encounters outside of the boss battles, and there are some rooms that are always like, there's a giant troll guarding a treasure chest, so you will always fight the giant troll. Um, but there are some where it's just like, maybe you're fighting bees, maybe you're fighting spiders, maybe you're fighting goblins, maybe there's, you know, there's an interest. I dare say interesting. There is a, a story. It's an interesting story uh, where there's, you know, some bad guys and some dragons and there's void energy and all this stuff. So so you can run into the bad guy militias and whatnot. But for the, for the most part in a zone, you're going to fight the same guys, just not necessarily in the same exact configuration. Right, right. Yeah, I think that if, I don't know. I, I have like three different thoughts all at once, but um I, I, th- I think that one of the things that's interesting to me about Slay the Spire, so ultimately, it, it basically is a, um, a strategy experience, right. right? Like, that's what playing the card games ultimately kind of shakes out to be. And while I do love me some Civilization and certainly love StarCraft um, and a, a variety of, of strategy games, Stellaris that I talked about a few weeks ago, love it. Um I think that this might be the most engaged I've ever been playing against AI in strategy. Really? Now, like in Stellaris or Civilization, you're making decisions that are not not just combat-related, right? That are, I don't know, longer-term decisions in the strategy or whatever, if you will. Um, so I don't mean it as a zero-sum statement that, like, all those games are bad and this one is now fun or, or something like that. But yeah, like I think that I, I think that because of the RNG elements of it, because of it's a you know the roguelike elements of it, I think that it, um, yeah, I think it offers a really compelling versus AI experience that a lot of other strategy games kind of fail to offer. Now I'm also new. If I'd only played StarCraft for 16 hours, I would probably think that fighting <laughs> against the AI was really fun. Um, but once you know how to play StarCraft, playing against the AI, it's either cheating or you're just raffle stopping right. it, and there's not really a way around that. Um, and it, I don't, you know, it doesn't feel that way in in this. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I find that really. So interesting. what? Is, how is the enemy variety like in Slay the Spire? Because obviously you're going through. So you said there's three phases of the tower. I'm assuming that you're probably seeing at least the same types of enemies every time you play through the first area of the tower or is it kind of completely random um yes there's definitely enemies that are like the tier one enemies that are in the first map and then tier two enemies and so on um but there's just so much variety in the enemies and and because i think that's the other thing that actually probably helps me enjoy it is there is you 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 can't backtrack right you can never remake a decision almost ever so it also is very much a game where like you kind of just make a choice and then you just kind of have to live with right. that um so it it also eliminates some of that feeling as far as the enemy types though yeah there's a good variety uh, of enemies you do you do start I, I do think that there's some advantage in playing for a while because you start to learn what they will do so for example like whenever you encounter a slime enemy regardless of how much health it has once it gets to half of its health, it will then split right. into two slimes, and the two slimes' maximum health will be however much health it had. 
which is interesting because let's see it's a 60 hit point slime and you get it down to 30 it's going to split into two 30s right. right but if you get it down to 10 it will split into two 10s not two ah. 30s. Does that make so the sense? goal is to try to like do a finishing style move to knock as much off of it from that 50 percent right so for example if you got it down to 31 health and you had a card that could take it down to 29 it might be worth your time if you've got a possibility that you draw a higher damage card next turn to not take it down to 29 right. now to yeah to stave off that split and that's what i mean like there's just little interesting quirks like that throughout it that just i don't know make the gameplay feel incredibly dynamic now the other thing it does that I think maybe is a little different than how you described Hand of Gilgamesh working is it um, whenever it's your turn to play cards, it shows you what the enemy's abilities are going to be when it's their turn after you've played. So it, it tells you what the enemy has picked basically to play. Right. So, and, and that's advantageous because if they're not attacking, you don't need to play a defense right. card. Right. Or if they are attacking, you can have an idea of how much defense you would need to get to fully block the attack or, or whatever. Yeah, you don't see your opponent's moves until after you've selected yours in. But the defensive moves aren't just like block. It's basically like increase your armor or increase your magic defense or give you a shield or something. So it's almost always advantageous to play those cards whenever. Um, right. And you won't basically you won't waste it. Like if I play a mana shield for one of my characters they may not get hit this turn but eventually they're probably going to get hit and especially if they're low health or something it's not it's not disadvantage or there's no disadvantage in playing so <laughs> i started to say like earlier i said something about dynamic and in my head i was trying to figure out the word like dynamism and i was like, <laughs> like i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but anyway yeah it's uh well, actually, I don't, now I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Anyway, either way, Slave Spire, yes, a, a wide variety of enemy of enemy types, and it doesn't feel like I'm seeing. I mean, yes, I see the same enemies, but it it, it feels pretty spread right. out. It's not so. Um, it's frequent yeah, enough that I would. That was kind of going to be one of my questions. Just like, is there stuff to learn about the enemy types that you can kind of, yes. you know, advantages and just which you, especially the slime, I think, is a great example. Um, mm -hmm. and then, but that also, so like you're seeing it enough that you get to learn them, but not so frequently that it's the same three enemies on floor one or something. Correct. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And, and the bosses are randomized too. So when you get to the boss of, of the first map or whatever, of act one or whatever it's called, it's not the same boss okay. every time. That was actually part of his calculation into a quote unquote, like impossible, right, potentially the impossible bosses team. with the worst combos of cards and right exactly so um but then there's so like you know to talk about the difference in in blocking so like in this you're blocking for a certain amount of damage but that only lasts through the enemy's turn and then the block falls back okay. off um but then there are also there's these cards that are like power cards that imbue your character with in a basically an ability for the duration of that combat okay. yeah. session so like there's one for example that i found on i think on the warrior character where it makes it so that you no longer lose your block at the end oh of the so turn. you can kind of stack the block up and i i happened to get that power card that that i was able to play frequently and 
I got one that'll that gives you like 30 block, which to be clear, the standard block card is six. Okay, that's so a lot. <laughs> huge, yeah, huge amount. And then I also got one that allowed you to double whatever the next card you played is, the value <laughs> of it. So I could play the power card, play the double card, play the 30, get 60. It's like six times or 10 times the normal block damn. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I could play it as soon as I got it in my hand because since it's going to stay, even if they're not attacking this turn, it doesn't right. matter. So that, that does um, bring up a question. Is there like a mana system or is it every card is the same? You could play whatever's in your hand no matter what. No, there there, there is a mana system, although it's different. So like in Hearthstone... You know, you start out with one, and then as the turns progress, you right. grow. In this, you just get three mana, and that's that's it. Now, there are relics or cards or whatever, different ways that you could maybe get more mana, you know, for your character, maybe in a certain turn or maybe for a combat or, or whatever the case may be. But, but yeah, by default, it's three mana, and the cards are either one, two, or three, or X. So, like, there are cards that are, like, deal deal seven times x lightning right. damage to all enemies the x being however much mana you have which is cool because i've also i've played with a deck before where i had a card that would give me like two extra mana just for that turn so i can play that then play the x lightning card or yep. whatever and now i get this massive aoe damage and Gogomek um, has some X cards as well and they will just use hmm. no matter where they are played in your because you pick the three, the order of the three cards, wherever they're played, right. they will use up everything that you have available up to there. But you can stack yes. up to 10, I think, of your steam power. Mm. Um, so if you if I get an X card, it may be advantageous to use a lot of builders like back to back to back to try to build up like seven, eight or nine because you can deal like 190 percent times x damage so you can deal like a thousand percent damage in one turn and just wipe something out right well now see i think this might be another difference and this is different from from hearthstone and, and legends of runeterra as well in in slay the spire when you draw a card if you don't play it you empty your hand at the oh, end of okay yeah that doesn't easy yeah to say it I, like I found one ability on one character on in one run that allowed me to keep cards th between right. hands. Um, but that actually ended up being kind of a disadvantage because since you only have three mana, you can hold up to 10 cards in your hand. Well, once you get to 10, like you're not playing 10 cards in a right. turn generally. And so then what happens is once you're, once you have 10, you don't draw anymore mm -hmm. until you have room. So if you don't like the cards you have, you either, either kind of have to play garbage or you're just you know stuck with it or whatever. Um, so I kind of like that it actually cycles the cards every time, but it makes it a lot harder to get a combo that you might right. like because you can't just hold on to a card for 10 turns waiting to get the component, you know, the thing that pairs with it. I think Hand of Gilgamesh has like a, I want to say maybe a five or six card hand or maybe six or seven. Um and then there are a few cards that let you draw extra, and like I said, but with being able to dump two cards no matter what every turn, and you almost you don't have to, but you can play up to three, and there's no reason not to unless you can't afford to play any cards. Um, so you can burn up to five cards a turn just in the base game, and I think there's maybe only two cards left after that, and you'll always draw back up. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, like a seven card hand, I think for the most part. And so you're seeing, and each player has eight cards and there's only three players on a team. So 24 cards and you're burning five a turn, uh, if not more, you're seeing your whole deck pretty quickly. Right, right, yeah. I mean, in, in Slay the Spire, your first battle, you have, again, there, there's always little modifiers that could have happened depending right. on what RNG. Like, when you start the game, you talk to a giant whale that gives you between two and four options to choose from, and those options could be, like, gain 100 gold or uh, trade all your gold for a random rare card or gain health but also get a random curse right. or whatever there's just so anyway so there are things so there's rng even before the run really starts um but anyway when you first start you've got 10 cards in your hand is your first is your initial right. deck so yeah those first few battles are kind of silly because yeah. <laughs> you're just attacking and defending kind of but they also don't take very long so it, it's a pretty quick pretty quick to get into some interesting That's stuff there's definitely some which i was going to ask about so is is there which i guess boss battles probably are this but do you notice like kind of gear checks are you do you basically do you die in the same kinds of areas every time um no not per, not per, not necessarily i mean so there's regular enemies and then there's elite enemies and and then bosses beyond that I have died to some elite enemies. The only place I can say that, and I don't know it to be true for sure, because I haven't actually gotten through that many runs, really. Um, it feels like the first enemy that you fight after a boss is intended to be a, did you just get lucky in the boss <laughs> fight? fight? That's um, fair. <laughs> So, so the, the, that's the other that's the other big difference I think between this and a lot of other games maybe is there is no there's not really very many healing mechanics. Okay. So, when you're now you start out let's say with the warrior you start out with eighty health, but you I mean you fight creatures that'll hit you for thirty wow. right. So and now you can mitigate right. that in ways Lock I prescribe, but right, but still you can get hit really hard. But there's very few cards that actually offer you a way to heal yourself. I mean there are a few, but if they do, it's very low right. healing amounts. It's not 20 or 30 or something. So the primary way that you get mana back, or excuse me, health back is on the map. One of the things that you can encounter instead of just a, a enemy or a, a merchant or whatever is a campfire. And at the campfire, you can choose to either uh, rest, which heals you for up to 30% of your health, or you can upgrade a card. Ah. Uh, of your choosing but if you do that then you right. can't rest so anyway like so you really are not ever full health unless you get to a campfire and had less than 30 percent of your health missing and then you can recoup it which to be clear does happen somewhat often i guess at least in, on the first tier um but then when you beat the boss you when you start the new map <clears throat> like the second or the third map you get fully healed. okay so beating the boss, you don't really have to try and worry about your health amount that you end with. Whereas in the other fights, like you don't want to end with 10 right. health because you're going to go into the next fight with 10 health. Um, anyway, the, all of the long-winded answer, the, the fight that happened, the first fight of the new map, I have, I have died at before. And if I haven't died, 
I've gotten to like half health before. Like it's shocking how hard <laughs> that fight can be. It's like, really? I just beat the boss and the boss gives you tons of right. Loot. And then like, the first guy on the next powerful. map is already almost as hard as the boss was. Yes. But then after that, the next enemies don't feel as hard as that first one. So it almost feels like it's kind of like a, you thought you just got out of the frying right. pan kind of thing, but now you're back in the uh, skillet. I don't know what the <laughs> phrase fire. is. That's a turn of phrase. Okay, yeah. fire. Thank you. The, there's a there's actually a <laughs> there's a lot of healing mechanics in Hand of Gilgamesh, and so you do carry your HP outside of battle, and you there are mm. you can get I guess healing items that you can use outside of battle or inside of battle. They take the place of a card. You can use a healing item. Um, but more often than not, I've got a pretty decent healer. I, one of my characters, I pretty much just have healing and buffing. Um, and so there may be times when if I get a, a, a group of enemies and I get them down to like one enemy at like half health or something, I may start chucking my hand to try to see if I can maximize healing. And I'll just do mm -hmm. builders and things and defensive buffs and whatever I can to mitigate damage and not deal damage if I don't have to. Uh, sometimes you don't get that option, but, you know, it. unlike... Right. I think it is just... It's an interesting way to do it because I think having the card system be the battle system is something... Because, like, in, in a Final Fantasy or any other kind of classic JRPG or whatever, yeah, you could get that enemy down to low health and then just spam heal three on your party. Like, I'm just going to heal, 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 use up my mana. Now, generally, mana was something that you had to manage that could stay low outside of battle or whatever. But there were ways that you could do right. that. Um, or if you know something is weak to electricity, you're going to cast Bolt on it every turn. Uh, whereas right. with the deck, I may not draw any electricity cards. Or yes. I may draw the debuff, and it's like, do I cast the debuff this turn and hope that I get electricity next turn? Or do I wait and possibly not get to use all of one character to get their special ability because I use the debuff from somebody else? And like, and even just a sword attack, I, you're not even guaranteed to have a basic attack every turn, which is, right. I don't know, it's it's like playing, it really is just playing a Final Fantasy game, but having your, your attack menu be randomized as far as what you get to use that turn. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, and, and so in, in Slay the Spire, you've got, you know, like I said, you've got obviously cards and then you've got these relics, but then you have potions, but the potions will do like, uh, like earlier I described the power cards, which basically give your character an ability for the rest of the battle. Um, so there will, there will be a potion that is when you drink the potion, it will give you a choice of three random power cards and whichever one you select goes into your hand and costs zero oh, mana wow. this turn so there's just and there's there's a you know wide variety of potions but there, there there's just a lot of ways that you can yeah so you just basically just get a single it, use card for one battle and you don't get to see that card right. ever again unless you like buy right. craft it or whatever right but then but there's a high there's a high likelihood that you won't right. see it to buy or encounter it to, to get it yeah um so yeah, I don't know. It's it it's yeah. There's just a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of mechanics, and, and maybe this this is something I think we've talked about before. There's a lot of mechanics that make you as the player whether and I'm sure again since I <laughs> beat beat it the one time and then realized that seventy two percent of people who own the game have done that. Um, 
I'm probably not very clever, <laughs> right? And I'm 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 completely fine with that. The game does a really good job of of creating a lot of opportunities for you as the player to feel like you are recognizing a clever way to deal with a situation. Right. And whether or not that's because they're actually spoon feeding it to me and it's like you're not clever this is just the obvious thing or because i actually did find something clever regardless of the validity of it it feels like, clever like and that feels the defensive rewarding. buff where you double it and keep it and yes exactly exactly like that felt like oh i stumbled onto this thing that's not necessarily a prescribed way to play because you're not i've never gotten those three cards ever again right. another run right um but it's yeah that's a there's a lot less of that of a, in hand of gilgamech and in fact there's like i said in the in the last battle the big boss battle that i did it definitely looked like i was supposed to use the other hero because he had a way to deal with things that none of my other characters did and that boss used exclusively all of those things um right and a lot of the com i mean the combos are obvious they have the other characters portrait on them um there are some ways like i have because you have the builders and then the spenders but you can pick which characters generally every character wants to have at least one builder card so you don't end up with a hand that nobody can play anything in and you have to skip your turn because mm -hmm. that's just dangerous but there are times where i have got like one version of a deck that has my buffer has most of the builders in small buffs and then my dps has mostly spenders so that way they're you know, one character builds up all the mana and one character dumps it. However, the danger is that if that character that has all the builders gets like paralyzed or confused or something, then all of a sudden I don't have access to being able to get more mana to spend. Um, mm. But it doesn't, it definitely doesn't feel, I don't feel like I'm being terribly creative. I'm being a little creative. Um, but again, with only eight cards per character and you have to use all eight, so it's not like I get 24 because I have three characters. Like, I can't min-max and take all 24 cards as one hero and just have them do everything or whatever. I have to, you have to balance it out. So, it, th there is a lot there. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of cards that I haven't even played with yet and a whole character that I haven't played. And I'm sure that now I have four characters. There's probably going to be six. I have a feeling I'm going to pick up one character per act. And I have a feeling, judging, the, having played enough Steam World games, I have a feeling that there's probably three acts. So probably six characters total. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of interesting combos and things that you can do, but it doesn't seem like it's... It's not leaving a huge amount of room for creativity. Well, I think the difference, too, though, is that you're, you're playing with... <clears throat> excuse me. Kind of static characters that have the same deck each time and because you can hold on to cards between hands even hand to hand becomes a little more yeah. static because if you didn't play a card you still have it to play right. next turn whereas with slay the spire i mean outside of the game being like i, I guess my point is, is is i don't know how much of it is like a an ingenious design and not to discredit them either but just the fact that it, it there is so many randomized elements and you you're not going to see the same things i mean the truth is is that that combo that i described earlier with the armor if i had seen that combination of cards 10 times cuz i had played for a lot longer right. or if i or if all the time i had played it just been with the one character that i saw that with 
because that's also another reason I haven't seen it again, right? I haven't, I've played with the other characters. Right. <clears throat> anyway, the point just being, I think it allows it to feel more creative or more innovative on the fly because it's all unfamiliar. Right. Well, and, and there so just is a lot of randomness. Like, like, I have, right. a, a, once I buy a card, you get a number of, whenever you buy or craft a card, you get a set number of copies of that card. So you may get, I think the most I have of a card is four, of, and that's like my builders, maybe six. But you may get two copies of Flame Wave, and two, three copies of Fire Leash or whatever, and one copy of whatever. And so if I build a deck out of those cards, like I just know what I have available to make with and how much of that I have. So right. it's, it is very static. Right, right. Well, and that's what I mean, you know, because with Slay the Spire, you're also not, um, there, there is no, there is no limit. Like whenever you, whenever you beat an enemy, it presents you with cards to choose from and you can either, you can just not take one of the cards if you don't want to add it right. to your deck. But if you do, that's just part of your deck now. So like I said, you know, when I, when I finally beat it the, that one time, <laughs> the one time, I was probably close to like 35 cards but I'm not picking and choosing which ones I take. Like, they're all just taken each Right, time, so when right? you, outside of combat, you can't go in and modify your deck and dump something you don't want anymore? Not directly. The only way you can is if you go to a merchant, one of the things the merchant sells is the ability to remove a card, but it costs gold. Or there are, like, like whenever you go to the question marks on the map, um, sometimes those will be enemy fights or merchants or, or treasure but more often they are um i don't know how to describe it other than his cutscene isn't the right word because it's not a cutscene at all but it's basically just like you encounter uh, a statue in a field and it, it writes this out in text and then you have choices to make with that statue like do you touch the statue and if you touch it it'll curse you do you destroy the statue and if you destroy it it'll remove a card from your deck that you can choose, or you can just walk away. Right. So there are things like that, mechanics like that, that allow you to remove cards. But generally, if you take a card, it's probably... Because it does deck. seem it like you don't always want to take a card, especially if it's if you're trying to maximize a certain combo that you've discovered. You don't want to take something that's not going to help you or is just going to add cards to your deck that'll make it take longer to get to that combo. Potentially, yes, but because you can't hold cards, you also can't rely on combos nearly as right. much because you can't draw part one and then wait for part right. two. Um, so it ends up that if you draw part one and don't draw part two with it, you're probably not going to play the combo this time until you cycle through again. So you're right. There is some thought to be had about how inflated you want the deck to get. Because it'll take longer to cycle. Uh, right. And... Some of the enemies, like Slimes, to use those as an example again, they have a common attack that they do that adds slime cards to your oh. deck. So then you potentially are drawing garbage cards right. that you can't do anything with. So so yeah, but on the other the other side of that coin is that like by the time you're getting to a point, and again, I'm a noob, so this might be a terrible <laughs> understanding of the game, but by the time you get to the point where you potentially are worried about deck inflation because if you're below 20 cards you don't have too many right because right? you start with 10 and you get through 
I mean, you draw five a turn, I think. So you get through them pretty fast. Okay. Um, but if you've got 20 cards, the, the cards that you're finding by that stage of the game. So after, you know, towards the end of the first map and beyond are powerful enough that it's kind of hard to pass right. them up. You know what I mean? Like I haven't found one yet where I'm like, nah, I don't want that. <laughs> like, no, I want that. I want well, that. I mean, I want maybe that that's what they're doing, though, is they're appealing to your want of things. Uh, I'm and your sure inability to say no I'm, is keeping you from winning. <laughs> I am sure that I am just a stupid mouse in a stupid maze that just. I, I mean, that's what I. I did eventually learn how to play Magic, I guess, quote unquote, the right way. But early on, it was definitely just, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I'm going to put everything, I put one of everything in my deck. And you do right. not win magic that way. You put multiple copies of things. But, again, <laughs> but yeah, there is the hand-holding. You, yeah, you're setting up a combo. Yeah. The hand-holding changes it so much. Um, but I think, you know, there could be something to be said for wanting to cycle through your deck more quickly and not not just sure. want every shiny that appears on the screen. <laughs> That's It's true. It's true. But it, it gets to the point where it's like because you don't know what you're going to get and because you can't hold right. on to anything, it's also like, well... I kind of want the opportunity to get another powerful card because I don't know. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and and again, as I said at the beginning of that, I'm I'm sure I'm. Terrible. I mean, I don't know either. Um, it does. It definitely sounds well, like no, it, no, I advantageous get to try to take the best that you can get because you never. Know. Yeah, but I think that speaks to the why I found it so intriguing, right? Because it's constantly presenting me with problems that I don't clearly know the answer to, and it's kind of fun to experiment and see how it shakes right. out um it's just it's been interesting to me so i guess actually before i say that point it, so unlike some of the roguelike games where you might unlock permanent benefits for your characters or something that does not happen in this you do unlock things as you play through the game multiple times but what you really are unlocking is new cards that you could see in future runs with said right. character um but the reason so the reason I explain that though is that there really isn't any clear meta or macro level progression that you're making between games, other than just your understanding of how the game works. Now, if I ever, yeah, now if I see certain cards, I know that certain combos might be right. possible, or I know how the slime works, or whatever. Um, but it, it's so interesting because I have spent so much of my life. Hey, it's an hour fifteen before I mentioned. <sighs> and we were getting close. Um, One day we'll have a full episode you're gonna have to cut it short <laughs> oh, well, that's all for um, <laughs> but no like i just i love rpgs and, and more specifically even mmos so much and i've been so delighted over the last which i mean the gaming industry at large has been because they continue to sell more and more i guess but i love that rpg mechanics have crept into everything like i love that shooters have rpg mm -hmm. mechanics i love that just everything. Everything has some element of RPG to it now where there's some long-term progression system that you're kind of building through. But what's been interesting, and I guess maybe this speaks to the importance of balance in things, um, is that the games that I've found most exciting lately, I mean, the two most fun games I've played recently have been Sea of Thieves and this, Slay the Spire. Now... Sea of Thieves could be argued that I'm playing that with friends online, right. so there's a social element that adds to it. And that's fair, and I, I, I can't say that that's not a part of it. But the other thing that I really love about Sea of Thieves 
is that I love that there isn't any any benefit to having played for a long time other than again just knowing how the game works. But if I encounter, I mean, I was just playing last night Sea of Thieves, and we encountered a pirate ship that was the guys all had titles on it, like they all have titles under their names, they all have fancy looking outfits. Clearly, they've been playing right. for a while, and we nice. beat them. But it, it, it's because it's not they don't have better guns right. than us. There's they don't have nothing, better cannons yeah. than us. There's nothing they can do. You that know, you so can't. exactly, they don't have access to something that we don't. And so it's almost like the fact that there isn't long-term progression, there isn't the RPG mechanic built into it in that way, is actually the thing that I find the most delightful well, it's, about it's it. Definitely, and that's really I think there's something really to be said for a fair game. There is. Um, well, and, and with Slay the Spire, though, it's not... There's no PvP, right. right? So it's not about that, and it's not. there's no social. I'm not playing with anyone. But it's the same thing. I, I, I enjoy that I kind of just play and am not looking over my shoulder, second guessing all of my choices because it's irrelevant. Right. There it is doesn't no, matter. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if, even if you could second guess too bad, even if the other choice was better, you just have to learn that for later. If you get presented. And with a I probably, choice. yes. And I probably won't actually encounter the exact same set of circumstances and that choice. Maybe ever right. again. I mean, maybe if I played enough, Especially but there's the millions of, run that right. you could potentially get correct exactly exactly so I, um but yeah so it's just interesting. i do have one other at least one Go other ahead. question i don't have too terribly much else on hand of gilgamesh it's cute i'm enjoying it i can't play it for more than about 20 minutes at a time um yeah but i think that's just i'm busy with tons of other projects and have not really wanted to game too much lately but I, with with Slay the Spire, one of the things you've you've mentioned a couple times that I haven't really talked about is these other characters or classes or players. How different do they play? So you've said there's like a fighter. Yes, pretty differently. So um, in fact, the the I didn't beat it with the default character. I beat it with the third one that you unlock, or whatever the third character, second one you unlock. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, I started with the warrior and. The warrior is pretty much a what you what you would expect from a warrior type character, where it, it it's there's not a lot of tricky stuff. It's mostly just high damage attacks and high levels of defense. So like the the shield thing I got, where I could continually you know keep the the power, like that was with the warrior okay. character. Um, I mean, to be clear, there are plenty of mechanics to it. But anyway, its unique hook is that the item it starts with, the relic it starts with, heals it for six health after every battle. Um, So if you can manage to mitigate all or the majority of damage, you actually can increase your health. Right. Which is cool, though, too, because it also ends up being a thing where you kind of recognize that you, you can give up six damage for free every fight. And you haven't really lost it. That's fair. Because you're going to get that back. Right. Um, The second character you unlock, or the second character is a um, rogue type character. So it it does a lot of like, like the most powerful thing I've unlocked or that I've seen with that is poison. Um, So the way poison works is if you do, if you put a five stack of poison on an enemy, it hits them for five. And then when the turn is over, it reduces down to four 
<clears throat> so the value both represents how much damage it does on that turn and how many turns okay. it has that's kind of cool if that yeah. makes sense but so but i mean i've gotten it before where i've had 30 damage on a 30 poison Ooh. on an enemy before so turn ends and it gets hit for and 30, you know it's right? getting like, hit for 29 next turn <laughs> right and i potentially can stack more right. poison on it right and just keep going um but so it has a lot of kind of tricky things like like you would kind of expect from a rogue. So so the poison type of stuff, it also has a lot of ability to like discard cards and powers or abilities for your character that will enable you to get benefits every time a card is discarded. Like every time you discard a card based on the text of a card. So not just because you're turning it and you're emptying your right. hand, but like when you play this, get this ability plus choose a card from your hand to right. discard. Well, there's an ability that makes it so every time you do that, you deal three damage to a okay. random enemy. Um, the third character, which this is the one I beat it with, is a robot <laughs> called the Defect. That's his, his name, <laughs> which I found amusing. Um, but anyway, the Defect is kind of like Mage. So basically you get orbs that you can channel uh different elements into so you can channel like lightning darkness frost or plasma and like lightning does its passive ability is each turn it will do damage to a random enemy or you can activate the orb and it shocks the enemy for a larger amount of damage but it burns the okay orb. or a frost orb passively ever at the end of every turn will give you a small amount of armor but if you burn it then it will give you a significant amount of armor but it again burns the orb anyway so that one is interesting because you end up playing a lot with these orbs and the way that that the orb system works without getting too much right. into the weeds um but yeah also really interesting and, and the other thing that the robot gets is the the power cards that i just have described a couple of times where it gives you a new ability it seems like that class has the most power cards um there's just a ton of stuff that you can get access to that just becomes a, a, a way that the character just operates right. now, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the last character is like a mystic. So it's kind of like a monk magic user kind of thing. I actually only played one round with it and died, I think, at the first boss. Um, and I'll be honest, I actually don't really now off the top of my head remember what the mechanic for it was. Um but irrelevant. Either way, yes, the, the characters do play very differently, and the cards that they get are completely different. So beyond just the classes themselves having maybe a different fundamental you know, mechanic, the cards are so different that it feels like a completely different game, if you will. I mean, the enemies are the right. same. And, you know, whatever. Are there any like times or places? I would assume relics, probably, but do you ever see cards that are kind of like a universal card that... Like, have you seen the? Have you gotten the same card as more than one different player? I have. Yes, I have. Not all of them. Most of the cards are unique, it seems, but there are some that are the same. The relics, though, seem to all right. be universal, except for the one that the character starts right. with that is its unique thing. Um, otherwise, though, they all seem to be universal as, as far as I can tell. But yeah, and there's other, I mean, there's stuff like it tries to definitely build in to some extent like a it's not really even a clear story per se but just world building kind of elements like like one of the mystery things you can encounter is vampires approach you out of an alley 
and you can have them bite you and then you become a vampire which means you lose health you lose maximum hp but all of your attacks get turned into all of your basic attacks get turned into bites which do life nice. so you know interesting little mechanical choices but you know whether you say yes or no to the vampire you don't get to rechoose that again for the rest of that right. run. Um, you're kind of stuck with that choice. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, really, really cool RNG elements. And I, I've just been, I mean, obviously I've talked about it for an hour and a half now. I've just been really, really impressed by it. I didn't think a PVE um, card battler, which I actually just feel like card battler is not the right name it's for not, it. It's, because, I guess card battle system. Well, to be fair, I don't mean that you coined that term either. I think that's what right, people yeah. call them. But no, I, I agree with but you because it's, it's not. I, I think a card battler is more head to head. It will, yeah. It invokes right. magic. It invokes Hearthstone, which are all you're just playing cards. You're playing the cards against other cards. And even if you were going to do that in PVE, that's what you're thinking of. And it's like these games are are much more akin to, like you've said old school JRPG battle systems with card drawing mechanics added in to kind of add some complexity right. to that so that there's some randomness to it. Um, but yeah, I can't recommend Slay the Spire enough. Um, it's, it, it, it is really, really well done. And uh, I'm really glad that I read that article in PC Gamer and then tried right. it again because <laughs> I, I was just completely bored when I read the article because it's not like I'm looking for Slay right. the Spire content to read, you know? Um, but yeah, worked out I really well. I would have to agree. I think that Hand of Gilgamesh is really good. I think it's another solid entry in the Steam World Games franchise. I think that it just further proves that they can handle making a wide variety of games that are all completely unique. And and it's, it's mm -hmm. fun. It can be a little bit slow at times. I, I haven't tried changing the game mode to easy because I feel like with every one of the steam world games, the kind of recommended play style just ends up being, they never outstay their welcome. So even if there is some mm -hmm. grindiness to it, I don't, it's not been ridiculous grinding. So I right. don't feel like I'm losing. And again, with my like 20 minute play sessions, I, I don't ever feel like I'm not making progress. Um, so I feel like there's a lot to it. Uh, it allows you to kind of fast forward your turns. The only thing that can kind of stink is in some of the longer battles, I'll tend to just hold down the shift key for fast forward because I've seen, I've already blown through my hand three or four times and I, I have seen all the attack animations. I have a pretty good idea what the bad guys are going to do. Uh, and there are, when you do go back right. to grind, sometimes you have to, you have to rewatch all of the like conversations that happen and you can't skip uh, the whole conversation. It You're skipping hmm. one person saying something. So I'm like tapping escape and right mouse button to skip as much as I can. But I, it still takes like five seconds to like click, 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 click. And I'd rather just skip the whole thing. I've already been through it. I'm just here to earn gold. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to try it. I think I'll probably wait for it to go on sale. But uh, I'm excited to try it when, it when it does just to see how I feel about the similar type of game, but without the right. We'll have to do a swap because I feel like I would probably enjoy Slay the Spire. Yeah, yeah, no, I would love we'll, for we'll you have to, to do play a swap it, to see episode what you, where we. <laughs> this episode part <laughs> cool. two. <laughs> Look out for that one. <laughs> Sounds good. 
So that's going to be all for our episode today. Follow us on Twitter to join the discussion, share your thoughts, or catch our stream times. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend and help us keep growing our audience. You can also join us on Discord and in our Steam group. All of the links are available in the show notes. If you want more of my insights on pretty much everything in life not related to gaming, check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found.